mic, this life and this game is mine. Yep, it's my time. Pick this mic, dominant intelligence is prominent. Dropping all sorts of ill gems on your conscience. Many years, I lay patient, just waiting, just building, just laying. The perfect foundation. Welcome to They Ain't Ready, the podcast about race and gender and economics. I am your host, Tracy Walker. And I'm the co-host, Dr. L. David Stewart. Happy Black History Month. We're going to get into some things. Yes. And for those that don't know, we are celebrating a milestone. We are making one year of They Ain't Ready. Hey! Anniversary. <laughs> yes. I didn't think I was going to make it this long, but you know, who knew there would be enough topics to talk about when you talk about race and gender and now you add economics? <clears> hmm. <throat> Look where we're at. But mm-hmm. I want to say thank you to all those that have been rocking with me since day one. Those that have come along on the journey. Thank you so much. Those that have gave their feedback, opinions, comments. It all made me and made what they and ready is today. And so I'm excited about what this new journey will take us on. And now i got a co-pilot on the journey with me. So it's going to be good times, y'all. So... Let's dive right in. I'm going to shoot it over to my co-host to break the seal off this topic today. So, as always, we got to give a disclaimer. The rules, the perspectives, and views expressed by Tracy Walker and Dr. L. David Stewart do not represent the respective organizations and things that we are part of. A.K.A. translation, we finna say some shit. All right. Black History Month, let's get into it. So, I'm going to give you a little brief overview. Mm-hmm. So, again, a brief overview. Black History Month's and Origins and Significance. Black History Month, also known as African American History Month, is a time to honor the struggles and triumphs of black people in, their, in our fight for civil rights and equality. It is a moment to appreciate the invaluable contributions made by black individuals to our society. This observance traces its origins back to the pioneering work of Dr. Carter G. Woodson, a distinguished black historian and educator. In 1912, Dr. Woodson became the second African-American following W.E.B. Du Bois to earn a doctorate in history from Harvard University. In 1926, he initiated Negro History Week, strategically coinciding with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, both pivotal figures in ending slavery and combating racism. And we are almost at 100 years of that, a centennial of Black History uh, Week, month, excuse me. And also, it has been said that Black History Month, and I, I want to find out if it's true, I heard was helped started by Omega Sci Fi in Chicago. So, it might be something to find out if you got proof of that. Let me know. That'd be pretty awesome. So, let's 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 get to it. Let's get to it. Awesome. Well, what if I made a shout out? I, I'll have them all inboxing me, telling me the information and letting me know whether it's true or not. But if it's true, let us know. So, what are we talking about today? We are talking about. The recognition versus commercialization of Black History Month, right? Mm-hmm. So y'all say, why are we talking about that? Well, the main reason why this even came up topic is, as everyone knows, you cannot go into any type of realtor, realtor real, sorry, real, uh, I can't even talk today. <laughs> no worries. It's like, what they say, take your time, Pastor. Right, take your time. Take your time. <laughs> you can't go into any store, let's just say like that right now, <laughs> without seeing Something about Black History Month from a t-shirt to a mug to a picture to a game. is so many things that has now come up about Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it at some scale before the pandemic, but now it's gone to full-on displays now being released. And so we want to kind of talk about and dive into this, like, is this really recognition or is it just making money off of people, you know? Well, America is about capitalism. The word is to capitalize lives. Mm-hmm. So in lieu of Black History Month and also corroborating this with Juneteenth now becoming official holiday now, it, it, it's good business, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, so if you go into Target in January, they're starting to promote Black History Month mm-hmm. along with mm-hmm. Valentine's Day stuff. So now you get, you know, and, and I know certain things about Target because I know someone who works kind of high up in Target. Mm-hmm. So like in your store, they, they start delivering their pitches and their brands, mm-hmm. which is cool because there was a time Target, as us fruitful black folks call it, Target right. had nothing for black folks or small stuff. So it's now you're great to see things like uh, 
certain women's products developed by black women or hair care products, which is black design. So it is cool. So it, it is a market of sorts. But the question then becomes, is it really because they care or is it performative? Right. Mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, I think it's a little both. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's good business to have these groups because this conversation could be pivoted for those who are members of the LGBTQ plus community in June. Because mm-hmm. when you go into the same stores in June, right. you got the rainbow and everything, right? right. You know, so it, it, it is showing awareness. But again, most people, companies are not people. Let me be clear. Mm-hmm. We expect companies to be moral, but they're ran by people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day, if it's good business to sell these t-shirts or sell whatever, they're going to do it. The minute it becomes bad business, they get rid of it. Ask Spotify and R. Kelly. <laughs> Once you become a problem, you're mm-hmm. gone. So it, it's good branding. You know, it's on brand, pun intended, for like corporate social responsibility. Hey, you know, we're we're making these ploys and moves to do it. I don't have a problem with it, but I also am always curious to know the why. And my thing is also, to flip side, is if you're taking your cues on Black History Month from Target, then I already have a different set of questions for you. You know, so my thing is, is Black History Month, it is great to be recognized. And it's always, it's a tough conversation because, you know, some people will say, well, Black History should be every month. And it should be. I said, but in this moment, in this month of recognition, what are you doing special? So my thing I always say is, while it's being recognized, push, push yourself. So what I mean by push yourself, if you go to somebody's school, they're going to cover Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. they're a little bit liberal, Harriet Tubman. Dig deeper. When I say dig deeper, not just dig deeper in terms of like a Malcolm X, but there's black history around. There are people that you know that have contributed to black history that just because it's not on a calendar or recognized. So there's always firsts. I mean, even recently, for instance, we had the first black uh, African-American graduate of a doctorate in architecture from the University of Hawaii. Like mm-hmm. We are still having firsts, which is cool and screwed up at the same time. so so black history month is needed for acknowledgement because the truth of the matter is not only to acknowledge to ourselves but to the world because i think if we don't have this conversation people will forget it and where where is the issue we have we we have no problem recognizing saint patrick's day we have no problem recognizing columbus day and he discovered America. So I think it behooves us to take advantage of it. While it is capital capitalism at its finest, it also is good for us to see and have these conversations. So I am probably going to get some comments about this from the black community. Uh oh. But I I have issue with some of the commercialization of Black History Month. <gasps> Gas clutches pearls. Oh, what do you mean, Tracy? Because, because when I do go into, and I'm not going to, I'm going to stay away from Target. Target is one um, company that does have black-owned businesses in there, 365 days a year. So I will give them that credit that they have someone at the table having these conversations because that's key. First of all, we we can get we can't be so offended sometimes if we're not at the table mm-hmm. for the conversation or if we're at the table and we just be quiet and not speak up well, which sometimes does happen i've been in places where people won't say nothing because i don't want them to think or label me if you're in the room sometimes we have learned in life that we have to be the only black representation for a whole community uh those that went to pwis have experienced it those that have worked mm-hmm. in corporate america have experienced that just being in a room by yourself with a group of other nationalities, not even just white. You become the representation of everything black. So if you're the first black person they meet and you act a certain way, they're going to think all of us act a certain way. Unfortunately, that is a horrible stereotype, but that's the world we live in. We can't even cut it. But the problem that I have with some of this commercialization is that when I go into these stores, I see only certain Images of African Americans or black images are those. Sometimes they're either extremely comfortable for people, where they are almost could pass, or they're non-threatening, or we are dark as tar on pictures and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the thing that upsets me about that is not even just them; 
But what is our responsibility as a black community? What have we dropped the ball on when it comes to celebrating our own history month? We don't push the envelope sometimes as well. We don't go deeper. I know the schools are going to limit, like you said, talk about Frederick Douglass, um, Byron King. You may get a Malcolm X up in there. Um, you may get a Barack Obama now, too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, But what are we doing a deeper dive? The one thing I loved about my sister going to HBCU is that when she came home, she brought that education to me. So it pushed me to do a deeper dive. I studied the Marcus Garvey. I studied W. Du Bois. I studied um, um, so many other different um, African-Americans that were making contributions and had made contributions that I did that deeper dive and that helped me have appreciation. So, yes, I know there is one month and we always complain, it's the shortest month. Well, you heard the history why that month was chosen. It wasn't chosen because it was the shortest month. It was chosen based on the birthdays of two individuals that were um, mentors or people that um, um, Woodson looked up to. But the problem is, is that where do we stop not celebrating our heritage and history? I hate seeing by black only on certain times, mm-hmm. certain days. Mm-hmm. I only see by black at certain aspects. So Juneteenth, Black History Month, and if we try to do a Blackout Friday. That's when you see by black. That's when there's a whole thing about by black. What about that business that's around 365 days a year, like all are? They still need our support. So the commercialization, the reason we sometimes have it is because we're not doing our part to support each other and having it, and we're having our narratives told by people that have no clue about our history. Mm-hmm. And again, this is capitalism. Now, the other part of capitalism is education. <clears throat> mm-hmm. A lot of us don't like digging into our own history. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to say, but I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't like digging in our own history mm-hmm. because we've been, and I hate to to go, you know, put my poofy cap on and get real. My man from uh, Living Color, we've been indoctrinated by years as a man. <laughs> But there's some truth to that because mm-hmm. we've been taught everything else but us. <clears throat> Correct. That and, and that that is something to account for. And then economically speaking, black people drive trends so much that we have forgotten how to be classic. Mm. And people are like, wait, where where that that sounds like one of the poetry lines. Let me say that again. But we're so trend driven, mm-hmm. we don't understand how to be classical, meaning like like timeless. Like there are certain things that are timeless. Education is timeless mm-hmm. in a sense that what you pass on, the value of it can can up go up or down depending on what you do with. That's timeless. But a lot of times it takes for us to see somebody doing something to make it cool. And and the thing is as a as a culture, African Americans are reactive. Now for 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 businesses, we're great because that means we're reactive, we're true consumers. But although we set the trends, we don't own the trends. And I think this is something we need to think about with education. <clears throat> One of the things, and as a professor myself, I talk to my students about this, is the trends that, you know, I remember I'm old enough to, re- I was a child when shows like Different World came out. But Different World, and whether you like them, Dr. Bill Cosby and his shows are the sole reason that a lot of people today between the ages of 30 and 50 not only went to college, but went to HBCU. Very true. Because they saw that. We don't, we're not seeing black positivity being popularized enough to become a trend. Mm-hmm. And and that be, that goes back into indoctrination. You know, so when people say, well, I use rap music as a great example as a lyricist. People go, well, why do we get the negative rap? Well, you have now kind of given reward you've given rewards for negativity so people see well i want to do positive but you know if i do a song talking about my coochie hole is pink and my booty hole is brown then i get paid i mean people see it and it's like well that worked for them so let me just get raunchier and i'm not knocking it i i, I get the concept there's a place and space for everything to exist but a lot of times we see well if that's gonna get me paid that's what i'm gonna do and we haven't seen a positive flip of that in terms of Black History Month and learning. Like, you know, I grew up in a time and even now where it's like, it's not cool to be smart. Mm. You know, for yeah. so we like our, you know, people will get the nerd glasses and go with the nerd look. 
but won't go for the actual smarts of mm-hmm. it. And I think until we get that, we're going to get a very touch and go kind of version of Black History Month. And then beyond blaming other people for their issues, it's your responsibility to learn your history. And that's one thing I always admire about other cultures and populations. Mm-hmm. Travel. Like anybody that I know of Jewish descent, they're going to know their history. They're going right. to dig. The, the complication for us as black people is we go back only certain so far. If you were dropped, if you were dropped off on that illegal cruise after sixteen nineteen mm-hmm. for the vacation that they said that was going to give us, and we are now four hundred year inhabitants of said cruise, but mm-hmm. you still it, it behooves one to learn your family history. You know where did you come from? You know not only this, and, and it's kind of off topic but related. But your history not only is good for knowledge, but for medical purposes, financial purposes, cultural purposes. Learn black history, and also. To kind of wrap that point up, black history is not just the history you see on TV. Black history is you. Black history is your friend. Black history is is the things you see. So it, at the, by the time you, you see this, the Super Bowl will have just occurred. Mm-hmm. And for me as a roller skater, history was made because I personally knew all the skaters that were on stage. Mm-hmm. Some of them are from Chicago and things like that. I've skated with these people. History was made, mm-hmm. you know, so history doesn't always have to be this overly grandiose thing, whether positive or negative. Like, I think a lot of black people look at history like, OK, Million Man March. That's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, assassination of King. That's history. But first our history or just inhabiting spaces where we are not is history. And I think it's important to document that and captivate that to make the history that you want to see going forward. And that is so true. Um, I said this on the podcast before, but. Um, growing up, my father raced cars, and I knew about the racing cars. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, my dad was always going racing cars. I was tired. I went to the racetrack. Too loud. <laughs> Had memories getting sick, <laughs> you know, because you know your dad lets you go do what you want, eat what you want, mm-hmm. and you come home to your mama sick. <laughs> and and I didn't, and I missed one pivotal moment in my dad's life when he was inducted into the racing hall of fame. Because the racetrack had bad memories for me because he was always gone there. And it's not a regret, I would say, because I don't like to live in regret. But if I could do it again, I would go. Mm -hmm. Because when my dad passed, they started telling the stories. And as they told the stories about my father, I found out how my father father and my uncle were the first to integrate drag racing in Illinois, Wisconsin area. They were the first um, um, person to work with Ford from the Illinois, Wisconsin area. And Ford would come to the race, um, race uh, races to see what my father did with cars to try to duplicate it for Ford cars mm. in NASCAR. So mm. you see what I'm saying? And so to say that point is black history, my father may never, ever make it into anybody's list of notable African-Americans. But this is something that's my black history. Mm-hmm. And knowing that and knowing that I come from that lineage, you know, it, it it's something to be a badge of honor and proud about. That's what recognition also is and so important about the black history is knowing who you are and knowing the importance. We're more than just slavery. Mm-hmm. We're more than just picking cotton. We're more than just jazz. We're more than just hip hop. We're more than just basketball or football. We are much more than that. You know, um, recently got a chance to do my ancestry DNA and finding out where my heritage is from, you know, finding out that my family's from West and Central Africa. I had an emotional moment on the phone with my family and my sister and niece didn't get it. And I was like, history has been lost. We don't understand how much history Mm -hmm. has been lost. That many cultures, like you said, know their family history, know their lineage, can say where they came at. Even people that came through Ellis Island can go to a book mm-hmm. and point to their great-grandfather or great-great-great-great-grandmother's name. Yep. We can't. There's no record. I will never know my original family name. Yeah. None of us. None of us would. Right. Well, no, never know. I, I, this is my slave owner's name. What my, my name I carry. Uh, oh, I used to always say it's my father's name. It's not my father's name. 
I honor him because he carried the name, but that's it's a slave owner. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in my lineage, and what it says in ancestral DNA in Southern Cal- Southern uh, Carolina, on a plantation, I was owned by some walks, my mm-hmm. family line. That's how real black history is. It's not some foreign concept. It's not something just in the book, but it lives. And and it's seeing how it is translated in a lot of um, merchandise. When you look at that perspective, it's disheartening. Mm-hmm. I, I understand making a dollar. But when you see the only image that you have of African-American is someone that is dark as tar. What is that saying about us? Right. And I'm not coming for anyone that is dark and complected. I'm not not doing the complexion thing because I know I'm light skinned or lighter skinned, and people say, "Oh, she's trying to you know play the color card." Not, but I'm saying that there's a rainbow shade of blacks. Yeah, <laughs> there is dark is dark, light is light. Right. You look at my sister. You may not know she was black, but she is black as it <laughs> when it comes to everything in her. But she is really light. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at others, I got look at my brother. He is very dark skinned. You know, it's just a rainbow. And so not seeing those images really portrayed. But sometimes being regulated through a hashtag that a marketing mm-hmm. company uses to promote whatever line becomes disheartening. Yeah, it's, it's reductionism mm-hmm. uh, where you get like hashtag BHM or, mm-hmm. you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter. And this mm-hmm. is all marketing for algorithms to mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. people to do it, which mm-hmm. is cool. Right. right. But, but it's there's more to it. And I think, you know, when influencers engage. So like this month has been interesting because February 1st started off was an interesting conversation mm-hmm. of the New York Times, problematic yet again, mm-hmm. talking about Travis Kelsey and the commandeering of the fade. Ah, uh, yes, the fade. <laughs> so for those who don't understand, that is a popular haircut in the African-American community, yes. donned by gentlemen <laughs> such as myself. Exactly. Different names such as the fade, the Caesar, the all over. And because this you know popular you know white athlete has it, but I, I appreciated his response when he was saying, y'all threw me to the wolves. And, yo, this is just something I got. You know, I'm not taking credit for it. And, again, when we talk about brands and influencers engaging in Black History Month, it's the commandeering of a narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So, all of a sudden, it's Black History Month. So, then you get people that play into stuff like, oh, I'm going to use this hashtag because I really don't like the people, but I want these people to follow me to be my consumer, to purchase my product, or, mm-hmm. or do my service. And we all do it, but I think it's, it behooves us to be tasteful and when we do it if we don't really support those communities. So, like, for instance, if you're just throwing out tags like LGBTQ because you think it's going to draw them, you got to think about what does that mean? Because there are people of that community that connect, may, may really connect with what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's all about whatever we can use to get the consumer. So, you know, people speak in terms of demographics or demos, but it's like, do you really care about the demos or you just want them to purchase something? And that gets into performative activism at that point, because it's like, hey, you know, one of the things that I I said on this podcast before, when people say stuff like we are in support of X or we condone, condemn this, well, you were supposed to say that. What is the actualized Mm -hmm. thing that you did? So like with performative, you know, activism on social media, You know, everyone, you know, talks about Black History Month, but then you get folks that mad, get mad at the Super Bowl that lift every voice was sung at the Super Bowl, right? So it's like a lot of times people get mad, like, why are people of color, which is another term I hate, are so aggressive about it in terms of particularly black people? Because at every waking point, we're being suppressed. Mm-hmm. Our culture is being suppressed or it's got to be made comfortable, right? And part of activism is having uncomfortable conversations. So, you know, in lieu of what's going on globally, like right now between Palestinians and Israelis, I admire the activism on both sides because they're very adamant about their position. Mm -hmm. Black people are one of the only people that are, whenever we are literally active, we get a new word, militant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody else's activism, we're militant. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been called militant all my life mm-hmm. and it used to irritate me, but I take it as a badge of honor because I think that's a conversation that we need to have because a lot of people just have performative activism to say we supported you a la what happened with Dr. Claudine Gay 
We'll tell you more about that, but that's a paid subscription. Go check that out because we said some things. We said some things so spicy on that. We had to put that behind the paywall. Yeah. So yeah. it's only uno, dos, tres dollars. So subscribe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is less than a, ma- a small macchiato <laughs> that you can get some great stuff. But I digress. But with performative activism, a lot of times people just want to say they kind of did something. And with black people, we're, we're awakening as a mass in the sense that we can smell it. In the sense that, okay, you get people that act black, like a Rachel Dozer. You know, while misguided, she had intent. I'll give her that, severely misguided. Mm-hmm. You can be an ally and not act like they're in, right? But then you get people who do performative activism, like the big companies, again, post-George Floyd, post-certain things, or it's Black History Month. So part of corporate social responsibility is being aware. That's why each company has an affinity groups, so on and so forth. Oh, so it's Black History Month. Now let's support the Blacks. Cacao! All right, we are now in May. Mexicans, something going on. Yeah, let's support that. So what you have is people trying to performatively support, and in the end, they may not really care. And I think these are the conversations where we push the intensity of that. You see, if you care or not, if you don't care, that's fine, but don't act. I can respect someone where you stand where you stand. So interesting you said that. You mentioned our wonderful Super Bowl that we just had. Mm-hmm. So performing, performing, right? Um, so I'm not talking about Usher. He did an amazing job. Loved it. Was very excited. Just to my folks in A. Yeah, he represented Atlanta well and he um he brought a couple points in so some people didn't know there was a lot of odd uh, nods to certain things mm-hmm. within his performance and so I really loved it. He had members of Kappa Alpha Psi in there, he had Jackson State University Sonic Boom as his band. So there was a lot of things that was supporting of culture. Um, but let's get to where this all started. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned two points here. So for some of y'all don't know, the halftime show that we have now started because of one TV show mm-hmm. in Living Color. In Living, so people weren't watching the halftime show. It was like pageantry. They, you know, pretty much very quiet. It was the time that people went to the bathroom. Got a break from the game, right? Mm-hmm. And so Living Color said, well, why don't we capitalize on this? We're going to do a live tape, live show. And they did the live show. And the numbers of people that returned back to the game were so low that the NFL decided they was going to revamp their halftime show. And the performer they got to revamp it to kick it off was Michael Jackson. Okay? So that's one thing where you see how this performs. We're going to capitalize on this and make it going. Make a going of it. Also, there's one other thing people don't know about the halftime show, and I think this is the bomb because you dropped one last time mm-hmm. about Claudine Gay in Harvard. Again, if you want to know about that one, <laughs> go check that episode out. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> got Clemont, throat, as my dad said, the performers of the halftime show of the NFL do not get paid. Yes, I'm so happy you said. Yep, <laughs> they do not get. So let me let, let me let me clear that up one more time. Go so ahead, everybody you have seen from Michael Jackson, Prince, Whitney Houston, Bruno Mars, uh, The Weeknd, now Usher, the NFL does not pay them for that halftime show. You know what they tell them? This is great exposure. Now this is one of the few times in existence where you can't lie. Exposure is amazing. You are on a platform where practically the entire world is watching. But you economically had to somebody economically has to support the production. Mm -hmm. So yet again going to that, the idea we had was capitalized on and yet and still, you're not paying the people. Now, why is that a problem you ask? Well, Taylor Swift being around the NFL generated $331 million for somebody (laughs) this year. Which is why she had all those clips throughout the Super Bowl showing that she was there and thought it was so wonderful to see her there, even when Travis Kelsey was not even making the play. Usher literally did in 13 minutes the African American history, excuse me, 15 minutes because he got two extra. In 15 minutes, he literally gave you an African American history lesson and he didn't get paid. But with that, let's go. Why is the halftime show the way it is now? So we talked about the origin of it. Mm-hmm. 
But anybody know the switch from Pepsi to Apple Music? <laughs> so let me explain to y'all who don't know. The halftime show was the Pepsi halftime show. Mm-hmm. Pepsi was a sponsor, right? And Pepsi would kind of dictate who the guests could be, who they could bring. There was a wonderful man that the 49ers probably still are missing now as they lost the Super Bowl. Um, and Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick took the knee, as anybody knows the history of it, and pretty much got blackballed from NFL to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened was there was an uproar about him doing how he was disrespecting America. But then they started seeing their numbers drop, drop, drop. So the halftime show switched to Apple. And when it switched to Apple, it switched to a group of people kind of being the creative directors, led by one man named Mm Jay-Z. So the halftime show we have now is Jay-Z working to produce and and putting things on and putting the artists on, which is why you're seeing the artists you see now. Now, it is interesting that it does happen to Black History Month. Correlation. Take what you want. But I see how you think something's going to affect your dollars and so you're really the blacklisted. But when when you're, it backfires on you. Mm-hmm. Now you have to come out and figure out what you're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And they have seen the highest numbers of Super Bowl watching in the past few years mm-hmm. due to how the halftime show is being cultivated. Really not about the game. As many people have called this past Super Bowl the Usher concert featuring the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it, you see this commercialization that's coming up. It's like, and it, it, and I said, it's not even just about black history. It's about us as a people, mm-hmm. how we're being commercialized. And, you know, and I'm not knocking nobody's uh, opportunity. I want you to take the opportunity that's given to you, but this is not a paid position. Nope. It's not a paid opportunity. No. Nope. Um, I really want to find the details out as Apple being sponsors, Apple sponsoring the whole production of it. Because if you saw Usher's performance, and I don't want to stay on Usher, but if you looked at his performance, he had so many different type of artists there. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting to Alicia Keys, her, Ludacris, Jermaine Dupri, Little John. Not even that. I'm talking about the... Um, Lack of better words, circus, um, circus soleil um, artists. You had the skaters. You had the sonic boom. You had the cap alpha side members. You had just the plain dancers that was in there, and then all the production that went into it. You know that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And they'll put their money where they want to. Correct. But. When you saw stuff throughout the game, the NFL went back to what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and they knew what their money drivers were. So we did the Super Bowl, and that's fine. But throughout the game, I'm going to take pictures and show y'all Taylor Swift every five seconds I can, mm-hmm. because every time she comes to a game, we get millions on millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Which goes into commercialization versus education. <laughs> so again, education Education has been a very touchy topic in this country when it comes to black people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time when people got killed for trying to learn how to read. Tells you a lot. Uh, disenfranchisement. Mm-hmm. And commercialization is always a muted history. Mm-hmm. So, muted by muted history. So, we passed in January Martin Luther King's birthday, and now, you know, staunch Republicans who do not, do not like black people are quick to emulate and quote Brother Dr. Martin Luther King. And Bernice King had to remind you, ah, 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 my dad's ratings when he was alive, y'all didn't like him. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali became adorable the more Parkinson disease set in. But when he was talking that talk, he was not liked. So again, the, the, so when I see people championing certain black people after their martyrdom or slow death, I reevaluate that because they're dead now. But they're okay. And in some cases, even in death, you mention them in bated breath, like Malcolm Little, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. You know, so the educate the, the commercialization of, of black history comes down to capitalism and the money it can make. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it, it it seems, from my personal observation, that you can't deny black people just because we're too loud and economically we are too much. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain level of patronization that has to occur. So you have to give awareness to black history to some point, because mm-hmm. if you don't, I mean, that's when people flip tables over, as we've shown. But the problem is a lot of what we're seeing in terms of awareness of education and commercialization is now literally the economic version of the boil frog theory. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what the boil frog theory mm-hmm. is, just put, a, put frog in water and just slowly turn the temperature up. It will not get out the pot. It will ultimately let itself be killed. So it seems like a lot of us economically will let ourselves be killed by just the patronage of certain things. It's just enough. But we're not paying attention to everything around. This isn't the conspiracy, the kid, my brother type conversation. This is an honest conversation. Yeah. That, I mean, even in the case of, you know, your city, your block, your neighborhood, what, what, what part of your history is being commercialized to the point that no one is, is aware of it? So, again, to her point with Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, me, who they said was disrespectful to the military. Ironically, Colin Kaepernick was con- consulted with a member of the military who told them what taking a knee actually meant. Mm-hmm. A member of the military told him this. A non-black person said, this is how you show respect. And anybody in sports and military knows what taking a knee means. Correct. And it was misappropriated. And then it cost them money. And then it was performative action. So, hey, we're going to make Jay-Z this person so we can give you the the show. Yay, you got halftime. Don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed most of the halftime shows, but there's a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Jay-Z doesn't get paid. These acts don't get paid. Someone had to fund this. Meanwhile, people were paying $7 million for some of the worst commercials ever in the first quarter. $7 million for a 30-second to 60-second spot. So. Again, I ask, who's making the money here? So when we talk about commercialization versus education, I tell people, educate yourself to know who's being commercialized. Because in capitalism, someone is getting capitalized on. At some point, we need to to capitalize. If nothing else, on our own story. You you said your own story. Think about this. So some of y'all don't know, may not know, and um, remember when Walt Disney created we don't remember, but I'm just going to say. Walt Disney created Mickey Mouse, right? There's mm-hmm. a certain image. There's a cartoon where he's got the wheel and he's doing a boat. Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. Thank you. That image now, that only image, not any other newer versions, but that image is now public domain, which means anyone can use that image and make money off of it, right? Guess what? That was about close to 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's why it was like 100 years. Yes. Do you know Tupac, Biggie's family? There's people making money off his image that does not go back to his family because we don't protect our image. We don't protect our things. I was in Walmart this weekend. I saw a Tupac hoodie. It was a cute hoodie. But it was I couldn't buy it because I knew this was not going to any other Shakur family, it was going to big business because black people want to see Tupac. I'm not even saying that. Not even black black people. People that are love hip hop, love Tupac, will buy it and say, I got a Tupac shirt on. But really, where is the dollars going? He said. So when you see about being um, taken advantage of, capitalized on, mm-hmm. these are incidents that happen that we don't protect images. So I, I can't just buy any shirt just because it's got Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. Biggie on. I need to see who's the designer, who's the creator. These are things we don't take the step for. We just say, I bought this and it's black. Just because a black face on it don't mean it's black. Mm, that's a, that's another one. Just because a black face is on it. There's a lot of black faces. <laughs> Literally, metaphorically speaking. Yes, yes. And- uh-huh. Right. And when it comes to us and ownership, and this is something I preach from a business standpoint, know what you own. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on bigger scales, we see this because I think as recently as this week, (sighs) broke my heart that I think that Sony is going to buy the Jackson catalog, Michael Jackson's catalog or something like that for like half the value at like 600 million was valued at 1.2 billion. Uh, In the case of the Prince estate, the things that they've done, like Mm -hmm. the Prince musical that... 
I know Prince did not want that to be done. Not at all. You know, the thing is, we as black people have to manage our desire for money. And that is a very hard thing to say because a lot of us want money, present company included. But sometimes the ownership of things is priceless. I go back to think, what would what would BET be like if Robert Johnson never sold it? Those of us who remember BET mm. that actually had black programming when it was actually about black entertainment television, right. not black exploitation television. Say that. Say that one more time. <laughs> There's a difference between black entertainment television and black exploitation television. Correct. Because when Viacom bought it, it was not entertainment; it was exploitation. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we can't control the narrative of nothing we do not own. And this gets into even community ownership. Like, we're talking the big things. But even at the lower level, like, support the smaller things. Everything, people think revolutionary acts and radical acts are big. Radical can just be intently buying black with intention. All right, I'm, I'm going to support this. So I may buy a black t-shirt that is $60 versus going to Target to get 20 But there's a story behind this black t-shirt and right. him or her own that. And I know where that's going to go, you know, but we don't do that until we're told as consumers. So uh, until a rapper name drops it, then it becomes something. Mm. And that's for any brand, right? Sure. Any, any, it's amazing rappers have not thought about this because the their value is, well, Jay-Z has thought about this in terms of why he doesn't even name drop certain things. Mm-hmm. But like, if you follow hip hop culture, we as African-Americans have no ownership, but we made Tommy Hill figure, profitable. We made Nautica profitable. Hell, I'm wearing a, a baseball cap. We made the, we made the, the fitted cap profitable. My Wu-Tang fans, most folks had no idea what a Clark Wallaby was, <laughs> as a company included, until Wu-Tang. But the things we make profitable or popular, we do not own. So again, community ownership becomes important. We see this in music with masters and things like that. Go to people that own things. When you own something, you can dictate it, right? And again, if you don't want it to be commercialized by others, then you own it. So you have a say in what's going on because if not, people can then take your images and stereotype them or popularize them for a method they want to see. So often, for instance, going to Muhammad Ali, we see the iconic photo him standing over somebody, but no one talks about the Muhammad Ali that refused to go to war. You don't see images. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, a lot of this is storytelling and narratives. So to kind of round out the last thing on this subject is corporate responsibility, or is it full term CSR? Corporate social responsibility. Another fancy word or another derivative of philanthropy. So a lot of companies make a whole bunch of money mm-hmm. and they have to write it off on their taxes. Right. So Black History Month is a great time to pick a cause and hey, throw some money at it. You're saying, well, I've heard that before. Uh, let's see, May 2020, what happened? Oh, yeah, George Floyd. Correct. So a lot of people, for their corporate social responsibility through money at it, they came out on their social media and said, we're in support of X, Y, and Z. And those same dollars are now gone. And it's, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to say, but a lot of companies are only as vested as well as the money is an investment. What am, what am I saying? I can hate black folks, and I'm going to use the N-word. I can hate niggas. But I tell you what, if I was a racist person and I knew black people bought my product, of course I'm going to trot out somebody and had them as a chief diversity officer and say, we are in support of George Floyd. You know why? I don't want you messing up my business. Oops. Got to keep the cash flow going. Got to keep the cash flow going. Don't mess with the church's money. Mm-mm. And a lot of people and a lot of people are now seeing that with businesses that, you know, the question you ask is, well, what did you do? Like, did you really support the entity you said? And again, a lot of people don't get me wrong. A lot of people truly donate to causes that they do believe in, you know, but a lot of it at that scale, you just got to offload the money for tax purposes, too. So finding things you believe in and also giving it away. Well, sometimes they don't always align properly. And it ties into educating yourself, too. Mm -hmm. When you see portion. And I'm saying this for somebody that's worked with events and did events that went to different um, 501c3s. When you see portion and not a percentage with the portion, mm-hmm. what the portion the organization is getting, mm-hmm. maybe small. We've seen it for many years. Dollar a day. 
You can feed a poor child in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. By the time that dollar gets to that child that in Africa. Is 10 cents, if that. <laughs> right. So I'm saying you got to look at these percentages. So money was poured into these communities, our community, and different nonprofit organizations. But it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. See, we have to now force companies or stand on it to make a continual stream of supporting. What is your commitment to philanthropy? What is your commitment to this organization? Is it I made a donation and you stand there with a big check and have the kids with nappy hair sitting there looking on the shovel and said, I made this donation. Yeah, it's not coming down and know right. our stuff. <laughs> right. Or have I made uh, sustainable donations where there are programs are established? Mm-hmm. Tracks, you know, y'all know I work in higher education. I'm talking to different people about how do we future students through the STEM program or STEAM, not just start at high school, but start younger. I was one of those STEAM students. I went through STEAM from fourth grade all the way to my sophomore year in college, but I didn't see nobody looking like me, which is one of the reasons why I didn't stay. Um, and I'm transitioning. But we have these conversations about what are you going to do? And I'm pushing pretty much on people's neck, like, don't throw dollars at it. Make sustainable programs. Don't push somebody out as your diversity director because I, I would not be nobody's diversity hire. I've passed up two opportunities to be a director in EDI because they want to put me in that box and say, we got a black woman in EDI. Mm-mm. No, EDI is not just my responsibility. It's everyone's responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so I may lead an effort or, or get lay off the plan, but everybody has a role in the plan. You're not just going to trot me out to sit and say, do the work. And then we sit back and, you, and they sit back with their chest posted out that I have contributed to the um, promotion and advancement of black people. If you want to promote, and attribute to the advancement of black people, have more people on the table in different areas within your company and have conversations. Why well, don't come hard at Target as bad as I do other organizations? Because every month they have a focus on black creatives. Mm-hmm. They bring them in, not just black, Latino, mm-hmm. LGBTQ. The shirt I'm wearing is one of Target shirts is by a black owned um, creative. I'm not not here to champion Target. Target ain't getting no sponsorship from me unless they want to sponsor us. They're more than welcome. We can have a conversation. Let's talk. (laughs) But I'm saying, like, I need to see what you're doing. And there's transparency. You know, there's certain things. You know there's certain things called annual reports. You can see where companies are giving their dollars. Mm -hmm. If you want to see where companies you're putting your money into, look at the annual report. Yep. And guess what? Every company has to do one. And it's public knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's not something they can hide behind firewalls. Actually, most companies have to put it on their website. But because annual reports are usually 75 to 150 pages long, many people will not read it. That's why I say sometimes your road to freedom can be lost in a book mm. because you will never open a book to read. Mm. And so we have to start doing our education, doing our studies, and knowing about where we put our dollars at. If we decided not to support anything that was not black for one day. Ooh. We will cripple the economy of America. We would have what is worse than the big crash. Mm-hmm. We will have worse than the recession that we're currently in ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be worse because our money is not invested. Our money is spent. Ooh. Ooh, say that again. Our money is not invested, it is spent. Mm. So there is no lineage. There's no pipeline. What I made today, I spent today. Mm -hmm. What I get today is gone tomorrow. Mm. So where I put my money at, it's got to work for me. We have to start doing that. And I'm not coming to say people don't invest, but overall we look percentages, we don't invest. We got to start learning how we put our money and start making it talk for us and make it move for us. Because if we don't, we're going to keep seeing these tar babies on T-shirts and telling us it's happy Black History Month. Brings me to the final point. Cultural appropriation and amplifying those Black voices. <clears throat> start this section with a very apropos quote from an artist by the name of Andre Benjamin that we know is 
under 2000 and he's not playing the flute. I was about to say, are we doing yeah. the flutes? No, we're not doing the flute. <laughs> he has a bar from a song that some people will know said, every nigga with dreads, every nigga with dreads, every nigga with gold ain't for the fall and every nigga with dreads ain't for the calls. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That is something that when we think of cultural appropriation, we always assume it's non-black. And it is mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But even with our own, there is a onus to protect mm-hmm. what it is that are ours. And sometimes protecting what is ours means even going head to head with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're so quick to point fingers. In a lot of cases, it is it's corporations and things that will misuse cultural things and, and say a white person started a fade or you know, uh, well, Derek and, and, and twists that came from African. And, and that happens and that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the uh, appropriation of rock and roll. Yes, rock and roll. Sorry about that. Jazz, <laughs> hip hop. And that doesn't mean people from other cultures cannot participate. This right. is a this is a conversation that I'm personally having with members of my community with them roller skating throughout the world. Where some amazing skaters and people are like, what about our community? What about us? Yes, we played a bigger role, but in playing that role, we have expanded. And there are people that genuinely care about your culture and are true allies that understand, hey, I'm not you. And again, going back to another message we've talked about before, sometimes black people forget that we're not the only ones that have been oppressed in the world and are not currently been oppressed. And within that oppression, there is internal oppression, right? Because as she mentioned, we got colorism even in our own community. We mm-hmm. got issues of black men versus black women, which is mm-hmm. something that is, you got plenty of other podcasters who are covering that. Right. But understanding in your management of appropriation, understand who is your ally, understand who is not. Understand what it is you're protecting. And if you protect it, if you cherish it, then amplify it. Talk about it. We talk about negative so much. Talk about positive. Like So if you got a brand that you really rock with, push them. Share it. Sometimes sharing something is just as important as buying if you're on these socials. So amplify the voices. If there's a scholar or somebody you believe in, even if I don't agree, one of the few times in the last five years I've seen that is the sharing of different social media personalities. I'm going to go low because it's petty month. But yeah, when I look at how Derek Jackson was amplified and even how Kevin Samuels was amplified, I'm not going to get into their subject matter, but they were amplified. People believed in them and almost quoted them like gospel, right? True. So there, there's something to be said about that. Like right now, uh, Club Shay Shay has immensely benefited from the sharing of the Cat Williams conversation. And one of the things that was dope about him at being amplified is he reminded everybody he owned his platform. That part. The end don't own it. He gets that all that. So again, know your understand what cultural appropriation is because that's another word that we throw out quickly. You know, we say culture vulture. So if someone, just because someone is not of the culture or looks like you and participate, that does not make them a culture vulture. A true culture vulture is someone who is appropriating and not telling the truth. So great example. When I hear people say, you know, Elvis is the greatest rock and you know, Elvis made rock and roll, I'm gonna look and go. Hold it, whoa, there, whoa, whoa, that's not true. Or how some people will champion others. And a lot of times, the people that are put in a situation like Travis Kelsey or an Eminem will show you, hey, I am part of this culture. I am not saying I am the king. These are the people that have made and created me, right? And a lot of times in the legends, we don't big up the people that created the legends. So I'm going to end it on this point before we move forward. So when people look at Drake, Drake is black and Jewish. People are amazed that Drake can rap and sing. Lauren Hill did it. Fonte mm-hmm. from Little Brother did it. Mm-hmm. So often, when you look at these big celebrities, look at the, look at their inspirations because there's another story that's being told, right? You know, so if you see somebody that is not willing to share where their base came from, that's a red flag. And again, part of Black History Month, dig into the people that made the people that you look up to. You know, sometimes finding out their motivation can be problematic. Like in the case of Dr. Brother Dr. Martin Luther King, I say Brother Doctor because he was a fine member of Alternative Incorporated. I was waiting for that. I was just waiting so much for that. Definitely got to represent, you know, I'm not mad at the Capitals, but Brother Martin is over there in Washington, D.C. with a beautiful monument. 
But one of the more problematic things about Martin Luther King that we don't talk about is his inspiration was Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi did not exactly like black people. So the people that we idolize, we amplify the voices, but part of amplifying is telling the stories, the story behind the stories. I tell my students, ask the, the secondary and tertiary questions, right? Understand these things. So when you come, when it comes to Black History Month, you don't want to treat Black History Month that, oh, damn, it's January 30th. I got to start thinking about Black History. Black History is every day you're allowed to get up. You are making Black History. You are reading Black History. And again, things that you believe in and champion, whether it's a small artist, a small product, a small service, share that. Those businesses need that. I need you to share it with the same vigor and rigor and intensity that you share Beyonce's new single. We need that same rigor, vigor and intensity so other businesses can grow. So again, going forward, kind of wrap up, you know, challenge you the rest of these months to have these conversations. And don't just have them with your friends, have them with your parents, have them with your co-workers, have them with those folks that say that you're allies. Find out if they're really your allies. Challenge them. And don't be afraid to be challenged back. I challenge you to have that conversation with Becky with the good hair. Oh, no. I challenge you to have that conversation and have those uncomfortable conversations because that's the whole platform of this podcast, having those conversations that many are not ready to have. But they need to have it today. So you mean, Becky, just because she copulates with a black person, you're, asking, you're saying have those conversations because she still may not like black people. And I'm not going to tell you where the copulate word copulate means. You need to look it up. Yeah, especially when she has mixed race kids and don't want to let them know that they're mixed race. You know, um, sorry, we, 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 we're going to go back to what I want to do to call. I call y'all out to say that you need to support our own. I call it out to say that don't just do a Black History Month. If you have a business, if you have a business, send us your information mm-hmm. um, and about that business. And a website and place we can purchase. Yes. And I want to tell you, be about your business. If you haven't watched a couple of the episodes, I said that. I hold you accountable like I hold other businesses accountable. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand grace and I understand things may happen, but don't send me your shipping label that is ready and shipped and you still got another week before you put my stuff in production. Don't do that. Do business. But if you got a business, send it to us. I want to shout you out. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not shouting you out in February. I'm going to shout you out the other months. I want to let people know about your business. I use the platform. I have no problem for black-owned business and support. I'm going to get you out there. Now, if I have my people come to your page, do them right. Because as soon as I get feedback, you might be an episode of They Ain't Ready. Yeah, because we, we will keep leaving. <laughs> the old girl took that money, told her what to do with it, didn't do right with it. Right. Just right. Closed. God don't right. like ugly. Right. And I'm going to tell you, between me and Dr. Stewart, we have different circles that we walk in and they cross over to other areas that may help your business. So I'm doing this call out because I want the listeners to be able to know about your business. I want to be able to reel it out. I want to be able to talk to you. Let's talk about it. You may be starting off. Let's see what we can do. We both have started businesses. We both have done different things. We both have helped each other out on doing things and working with each other. And so we always do it to others as well. So I'm doing that because I don't want your idea one to be stolen because that happens. Mm-hmm. Capitalized on. Mm-hmm. And you left without anything to show for. I want to make sure that we have black businesses that are being recognized, not commercialized. So as we wrap up this, send your stuff to us. Let us know, okay? We thank you for listening to us on today for They Ain't Ready. You know you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We on YouTube. We're starting this TikTok thing, so y'all may see some TikToks coming up as well. Um, But share. And above that, subscribe. I'm telling you, we have some other episodes that's going to be only under the wall of subscription. And it's the reason why, because it is no filter, unadulterated, candid conversations when everything is said. And nothing is left on the table. So if y'all thought that wrap up that I did was something before I was officially a host, and she just allowed me to go to town on the wrap up of 2023, you ought to hear about things that are going to be on that subscription. And y'all, 
it's only three dollars. You don't even know it come out your month. You spend more with Apple Music than you do with the three dollars for subscription. Mm-hmm. Just get it. I'm telling you guys, there's gonna be some juicy things there, and that's gonna be some things that's gonna benefit you that we're gonna put on content as well. We started with episodes, but there's gonna be some content in there that can help you with your business, help you with just life and development as well. So I want you to be able to be a part of that and stay and get a part of it while it's on that level. Because as we grow and develop, you know how inflation happens. Prices go up. Get it while the rookie card cheap. Exactly. We're going up quick. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you for tuning in. Keep having those conversations that many are not ready to have. We need to have today. Talk to you later. Peace. This mic, this life, and this game is mine. Yep, it's my time. Pick this mic, dominant, intelligence is prominent. Dropping all sorts of ill gems on your conscience. Many years, I lay patient, just waiting, just building, just laying. The perfect foundation for this ill struggle.